0: Podcast ain't played nobody. Your college football marriage of numbers and words. This is Bill Connolly, and I am starting. To, Godfrey's here. Fear not. Uh, after after Every time acc- you do it, they get scared. After an accidental week off, we are both here, and we are recording. Uh, it's amazing. But I'm still introing this because I want to talk about curses. So, okay. I, as a, as a, I was a Mizzou blogger for a decade. I, I got to where I, I very much just rolled my eyes at the idea of curses. Everybody, every, pro, every fan base in the country thinks they're cursed in one way or another. And that's, Missouri's especially does. And, you know, Missouri's gotten a little more creative in trying to prove it. But uh, I still end up just, you know, like, screw your curses. I'm, I'm done talking about curses. I don't want to talk about curses anymore. They're not real. Um, there are two exceptions to this rule, however, that I will where I will allow a conversation about curses. First one is North North Carolina state. Um, Wow. We have have talked about this before on this show, but Matt Brown, not, not our Matt Brown, the athletics, Matt Brown, those poor dudes, they can't even say like, no, I'm the Matt Brown who obsesses over weird minutiae in college football history. That doesn't even limit it to one Matt Brown. Uh, But the athletics, Matt Brown, Uh, When Texas Tech and Auburn made the final four in men's basketball the other day, uh, he mentioned that, you know, that's two more names off the list. They're making it for the first time. And then he put together kind of a fun list of the power five football teams that have never finished in the top four of the AP poll, kind of the closest thing we've got to a final four through the decades. Um, Unlike the basketball list, Missouri is, is not on this list, which makes me very happy because I was there for 2007, but um, so, so there are some schools on here that you're kind of surprised by a little bit, like West Virginia. The highest they've ever finished is fifth. They've been they've been really good, pr- plenty of times, but only fin- finished as high as fifth. Uh, uh, Louisville had a couple uh, has had a few good years. The best they've finished is sixth. Kansas State, the best they've finished is sixth, but. Uh, your eye like and others, you know, Baylor, Kansas, et cetera. That's all, that all makes kind of sense. But, uh, the, the one that catches your eye very quickly is NC state has not only never finished in the top four, they've never finished in the top 10. Philip Rivers, Tori Holt, Mario Williams, Russell Wilson, Roman Dam Gabriel, Haywood Jeffries, um, Mike Quick was really good. They've had something like 25 first and second round draft picks. I did not just have that on the top of my head. I looked it up before we started recording. Mm-hmm. They Eric Kramer, they've got a lot of NFL caliber quarterbacks at the very least. Uh, and the best, like they, they briefly reached third in 1967 and finished unranked. They reached eighth in 1974, but finished 11th. They finished. They 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 hit 10th a couple of times in 57 and 2002. Those are the only four seasons where they've ever even at one point been in the top 10. Like that is amazing when you think about all the teams that have had a top 10 finish. Even in the last like even this century, Kansas has been in the top 10, but NC State's never been in the top 10. So if if NC State fans want to tell you they're cursed, I will I will listen to that conversation because. Uh, that is unbelievable. Lou Holtz coached for them. Chesty Chuckamato, Dick Sheridan. They've had good coaches. They've had good players. They've had good teams. No top ten finishes. That amazes me, and 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 I, you know, I commend them for their stick-to-itiveness and whatnot. Uh, the other curse I will listen uh, very closely about, and probably actually contribute to the conversation in, is the shutdown forecast curse. Gross. So, um, so you went,
1: week, look, you went and, and I know I know
0: it's my fault. It's my fault.
1: Lick the toilet stall. What did you expect?
0: Yeah. So, uh, early last week we had a college football planning meeting there in Atlanta, of course in Atlanta. Um, and they were recording, it was Monday night. So they recorded full cast and towards the end of it, Richard Johnson, Alex Kirshner, and I, we had been down at the bar. We, we wandered down there. Brian Floyd was with us. We wandered down there. Um, you know, Brian Floyd just hanging out, you know? because um, we wander down there where they're recording, down the end of a very, very long hallway. And they're talking about pants. Of course, they're talking about freaking pants because, you know, they're a college football podcast and they're talking about pants. But uh, they asked us for our pants disasters. I probably, I was probably on that full cast episode for about eight seconds. In the week that followed uh i got home uh i had to take a puking chihuahua to the vet like he he was so sick like he was dehydrated he was staggering around drunk we tried to get some food in him like we tried to give him a piece of cheese he sniffed it and threw up again like he was in bad bad shape i had to take him to the vet on wednesday did the her.
1: dog listen to
0: full Cast? no this was just all from my eight seconds on air but i mean yeah he was vomiting so maybe um so, I had to take him to the vet on Wednesday. Uh, on Thursday, then you had an obligation. So, we had to cancel when we were going to record on Thursday. And then by Thursday night, when we were trying to figure out when we were going to record on Friday, I was realizing, like, man, I feel like garbage. I, like, I was, it, was, it wasn't the worst cold I've ever had, but it was a cold. And it was, I, I did not feel like, like, I would have gone, I would have been hoarse in, in 90 seconds. Uh, it would have just not been a great performance. I didn't want to deal with it. Um, so, we cancel on Friday, too. Um, by Friday afternoon, my wife co- is, is starting to come down with something. Uh, we find out on Sunday that she, yes, why, yes, she is coming down with something. She's coming down with shingles of the face of the face. What would have happened had I been on full cast for 30 seconds or a minute? Death. Like I, I, in, in eight seconds, it took down one of our animals and two thirds of our family unit. I have no sympathy. Never again. I have no sympathy whatsoever. Never again. You chose to do that. I was there. You know, I was I was there. And you would have too had you not been, uh, you know, beholden, had, have you, had your marriage to Hilton not dragged you to a different hotel.
1: Well, you know what? That's just a shout out to the fine folks at Hilton keeping me um, a comfortable five to six miles away from the full cast at all times. Man, never again. your fault. I have no sympathy whatsoever. I hope your wife feels better. I'm more worried about her, but uh, you know what? It's a little while. Uh, if ever there was a, uh, a super shitty monkey's paw, it would be that podcast. Yep. So you do learned it. your lesson. Yep. You want me to do the show intro? Do it. This is podcast. Ain't play nobody. It is a college football marriage of numbers and words. That is a robot Bill Connolly. You can reach him at SBN underscore Bill C. He is the author and... Uh, proprietor. No. He's the author of many books because he is the proprietor... Ah and creator, and father of the S&P Plus analytics system. You can find those books on the Amazon.coms, occasionally in a brick-and-mortar store. Uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey. I, eh, you know, I do things. Um, I am a senior reporter. Right? I, man, I don't know. I have Any ti- idea what my job title
0: is? That, that's my title me. too now, which makes no damn sense whatsoever.
1: But uh, You can find me at 38Godfrey, and I hate your team unless it's Texas State. Unless, Ooh. Good let me good give job. Let me give. Let me give you them dulcet tones for the transition, unless it's Texas State. Bill, go Bobcats. Uh, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, sure, I don't sure, know. Long time ago, we uh we swore because we were doing the ass into the Sun Belt on the on your uh, uh baton death march of team previews that we would get to Texas State on the following show. Obviously, we that show got bumped. <laughs> we will now give you Texas State as a segment. Go give him Texas State as a segment. I don't have much to say. Go, 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 go.
0: Really? Really? You're just going gonna... <sighs> to? Uh, um, I know they
1: interviewed Kendall Bryles, uh unofficially. They had talks with him. Um, I know that it was a job that garnered a lot of interest relative to its merit. I think I think disproportionately so
0: relative to, it, uh, you know,
1: no one really winning there. Um, San Marcos is a growing area. Yeah uh it's part of
0: that one continuous highway between what austin and uh san antonio yeah is that right? it's
1: in sort of the austin kind of blob now yeah, like you go from dallas to san antonio it yeah. is just,
0: it's, it's just city there, there is always stuff almost always do, stuff well i mean you side, can right? do
1: that with dallas to houston too now i mean you, you pretty much get like a prison in the middle and yeah, i think you get like a little buckies. you get a
0: little respite near waco and then it's just city so mm,
1: is Waco, Waco is south of Dallas on the way to Houston. Mm, so many Texas listeners screaming right no, no, now no, no, on the
0: way to San Antonio. I'm not sure. About Thank it. you. I don't know. I don't I know don't where know. you veer off to go to to Houston, but when you go down, just to don't
1: San Antonio. leave Houston. It's the greatest it's one of the greatest cities in the world. Billiam, uh, <laughs> Texas State is a job that should work better on paper, which is why they fired
0: Everett Re- Withers. Yeah. Excuse me. So um, we learned a little about in, in this offseason, We learned a little bit about why. Um, Texas State is better on paper than in reality. Uh, you should all be following. I uh, I don't know completely how to say his last name. I'm going to butcher it because I butcher all even the easy names on this show. But um, his name is Kef, uh, either Ciardello or Chardello, maybe C I A R D E L L O. On Twitter, it is at. Kef, K-E-F-F underscore C. You should absolutely follow him. Um, you should have been following him back in December when he was reporting on a number of horrifying things about the Texas Tech football job, or Texas State football job. Uh, our, our friends at Underdog Dynasty, actually this was in late November, uh, kind of put together a list. I was worried I was going to have to look up a bunch of tweets because I was following him horrified, but they did it for me back uh, way back when, so I, was, I just kind of cut him, or copy-pasted part of their story into mine um with proper attribution but uh so Kef uh, over time it, here here i'm just gonna read all the damn bullet points from underdog dynasty our friends the the the, the mid-major blog of sb uh, team site of sb nation mm-hmm. so a no i'm not gonna do A B am just gonna list them off texas state promised to cover ever withers buyout from his previous employer james madison they reneged on that promise and withers paid a quarter of a million dollars to james madison out of his own pocket uh, both athletic director Larry Tice and president Denise Troth opted against speaking to any victims of a of a 2016 bus crash that saw eight Texas state students walk away with serious injuries while traveling to support the Bobcat program in a game against uh, New Mexico state. Several Texas state student athletes have been rampantly misdiagnosed and mistreated uh, by an athletics training staff that is reportedly woefully inept. Uh, you know, that's uh, whatever editorial license, but they've had a lot of injuries. Um, The actual Kef tweet from that one said, there have been a number of severe injuries to Texas State players over the last four years. 2015 had over a dozen season-ending injuries to players. Since 2016, a handful of players' careers have ended due mainly to concussions. I have sources telling me this is not a coincidence. Uh, After David Gish, award-winning Texas State head athletic trainer for 17 years, passed away in 2014, Jason Carlick took over. Allegations say Carlick has been uncommunicative with uh, coaches' concerns with players' health and is rarely on the job, regulating duty to student trainers. Carlick isn't around because he had a second job teaching classes, which might make him the only FBS head trainer that isn't full time. Um, the only time you see him working is when he is taping ankles because everyone is needed. You will never see him on the floor working rehab. Uh, he, has, he has no relationship with any of the players. They simply don't trust him, but they have no other options, etc., 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 etc. Bad, 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 bad. Texas State's football coaches – and here's where it just gets mean. Texas State's football coaches were forced to pay out of pocket for deli trays to feed their own players after the nutrition budget was cut with no prior notification. Texas Ugh. State Texas State failed to pay their Gatorade slash Coke bill in 2017, causing the football Let me just staff, say
1: this. Wait, wait one second. Deli trays suck universally. Yes. I don't awesome. want to hear anything soggy, from one of you. Terrible. Like I don't want to hear one of you in midtown Manhattan be like, oh, it's one place on 50 – No. I'm talking about the standard. You go to the supermarket, you get the deli tray. You only get the deli tray when you have a hastily arranged corporate yes. meeting yes. or you have a like a church or small social neighborhood event that you, you did not think ahead and prepare for. It is the, the universal sign of people are coming, but I did not pay attention
0: and to, now tomato, I have to feed you. The tomato makes everything soggy. It's just it's terrible um i i I will make light of a horrible situation but we lost
1: a a family member very unexpectedly on my in-law side people would just constantly you like people would bring great amazing food and then people who had just heard about it for some reason felt the need to bring deli trays and sodas just come give your condolences it'd be like a two liter sprite well it's because they didn't want to show up empty-handed but i feel like it, it would be better to show up and be like hey you guys good on like paper towels
0: Sure, or, or just go buy like go to the deli and buy some meat. Just here, here's some ham I bought at the deli. You can, I'm sure you've got some bread around. Like that would be better. It's very strange. Deli trays are horrible
1: by design. Yeah, I don't understand them. Okay, keep going.
0: Texas State failed to pay their Gatorade slash Coke bill in 2017, causing the football staff to pay out of pocket for Gatorade most of the season.
1: Got to pay that Coke bill. Trust me.
0: The Bobcats recruiting budget was suddenly stonewalled with no communication, causing the coaches to directly solicit donors for emergency funds. Drug tests sat untested in a lab for weeks after Texas State failed to pay its bill for lab work. Student athletes never received the results of their drug tests. Texas State's compliance team erroneously told the coaching staff they could not blue shirt incoming recruits. When Larry and this is kind of the 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 finale of it all, Um, when athletic director Larry Tice uh, came to tell the team that he had fired Everett Withers because Everett Withers wasn't allowed to tell them himself, Um, Tice was escorted out of the facilities to avoid further hostility. Uh, after he was confronted by the players, one former Texas State player said, "I can't confirm all the details, but he was forced out by the players, and a couple of them tore him apart verbally, including uh, verbally, including some high-profile guys, both on in the school and on the team."
1: That's one of my favorite moments. It goes unheralded in college sports. Unheralded um, is it doesn't happen often, but it does happen where you have like a chuckle dick athletic director who fires a coach that everyone likes, and then they come in. And they want to do the whole like, we've got team spirit. We're we're gonna bring this back for you know whatever Tiger Nation whatever, and we're here to serve you the players. And then a okay, this this happened on video a couple times. <laughs> Maybe we should gather these for some sort of post. But like <laughs> occasionally you'll hear it more often or not, more often than not you hear about it anecdotally. You'd be like, yeah, the AD came in and told told everybody what was going on, and then he said, "Do you have any questions?" <laughs> if you're an athletic director listening to this. I want you to take this advice, and I want you to chisel it into a block of stone. If you fire a coach who is even remotely liked by his players, do not address the team. Just don't. Just send an email. Find find the director of football ops, one of those middle management jobs. Have them relay that. That is literally what they are there for. They are Turks, okay? But do not, if you are ballsy enough to go in and address the players because, you know, you think you've got that kind of relationship – Uh, Spoiler, you don't. If you decide to do this, do not open the forum. Never, ever open the forum. Because angry (laughs) 20-year-olds are going to eviscerate you. Yeah,
0: Especially when they have the moral damn high ground, as they appear to in this case. Well, they usually do in college athletics. Yeah, true, true, true. (sighs) Okay,
1: so Texas State is great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and and all this said, their location... Is so attractive that they still landed what might be a pretty. We don't. We, I can't say that Jake Spavital is a good uh, going to be a good head coach. We, you never know until somebody becomes a head coach. But he's got a really nice resume. He attracted um, our our good old the, the internet's favorite offensive coordinator Bob Stitt. Uh, yeah. His defensive coordinator is um, well his brother who was co coordinator with uh, our friend our friend Gibbs down at Texas Tech, and like. I feel I feel so bad for Everett withers he probably he probably wasn't the guy um like he certainly didn't do amazing things in his interim year at North Carolina, although that was a weird situation as and he did well at James Madison but then uh, Mike Houston comes in succeeds him and does better so uh, it's kind of hard to figure out like, you know, was that Houston, you know, was, was it Withers not doing enough? Was it him setting the table for Houston and all that stuff? But Withers hadn't coached in or around Texas in a while, so it was going to take him a little while. He never, ever got anywhere offensively. The defense actually was quite salty last year and, and really made a lot of progress, and which made it even more of a shame that he, he couldn't get another year. Like the, the AD not only screwed him at every possible opportunity, but didn't, didn't give him another year to say, well, your defense picked up last year. Maybe we'll give you one more year to fix the offense too. Um he got screwed over constantly, probably wasn't going to work out in any sort of major way, but he now leaves a very experienced roster um, for a for Spavital, who's coached in Texas, who's coached in the – he's been a power conference coordinator at least. His brother's been a co-coordinator. Bob Stitt's – you know, Bob Stitt. Uh, Stit happens. Hashtag. Um, it, it seems like considering how horrible – this situation seems to be. They did a really nice job of of, of finding a, a head coach who who wants to actually make something of the program, and and it, it should. Um, I believe that horrible athletic director. No wait. Oh, maybe he hasn't been fired. Never mind. Never mind. But still bad. All bad.
1: I have breaking news.
0: Really? Not
1: really. Um, one of the best SID's in the entire world of college football the guy named David Bastie at the University of Houston. And it's not just my opinion, it's everybody's. Yes, he just dead got dead. hired by my Atlanta Falcons. I can't wait to bother him for free shit. Oh my God, it's going to be fun.
0: He's from Oklahoma. My high school played his high school. Um, yeah, so well, therefore he's awesome. I am now going to be
1: swimming in free crap. And if not, I'm just going to say bad things about him. Because yeah, that's the kind of professional I am. Bill. Okay. Uh, Texas State in the, f- in the forward in the future. Um, this is, uh, I hate saying that, I hate saying this move sleeping giant. Um, this is a program that, uh, as one coach said to me recently, can't help but recruit speed and long bodies. So when you look at the sunbelt and you look at what you have to do in certain places, right? So we talked about, I'll give you, you know what, even a good situation like coastal Carolina, because you're, you've you got an a, you know, a, attractive area, you're close to the beach, young program. Um, you're in the Carolinas where there's a ton of talent right now. I mean, people are, I can ask our recruiting guy, Bud Elliott, like the Carolinas are a thing right now. But even there, they would rather swap spots with San Marcos. Yeah. It's still Texas. It's still division one football in Texas. I think that what I would do, let me just go ahead and check before I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> I, if I'm Texas State, you get a guy in SPAV who knows, I mean, he's from six different branches of that greater air raid tree in certain ways. So he knows He knows the culture. He has the connections. I think it's a great hire. But if you're them, I think you just go out and, and, and pitch your ass off on, hey, st- just stay in Texas. Two-star. Yep. Don't go to Minnesota. I I always pick on Minnesota, and I don't mean to. I'm sorry. But all of those schools that come in and want to get that two, almost three-star kid from Texas and take them out and say, oh, you're going to get to play for Wisconsin. You're going to to play for Washington State. No, just stay home. Run a lot of fast stuff. (laughs) Run what they run in high schools. The size and speed are there, so this is what I was getting at. And there's a Look, you know what? They already did what I was thinking. Here's what I was thinking. They did a really good job. I'm going to say this right away. In the Sun Belt, you're not going to play a lot of Texas football. Okay. True. They're the only. They are the only Texas team in the Sun Belt. Yep. Fact check. Correct. Okay.
0: UTSA U- was, and then they moved.
1: Yes, UTSA is in the conference of the USA's now. So, what I would do, and this is exa- this is exactly what they've done, is I would go into those two stars and I would pitch the following: stay at home, play at home, have your family come from Houston or Dallas to come see you in San Marcos. It's a reasonable, you know, area to to travel to if you're from you know basically anywhere other than like El Paso or Lubbock. And we're gonna schedule Texas teams, so you're gonna get that experience of playing Texas teams. So their future opponents this year they're gonna play at AM and at SMU. In 2020 they've got SMU at home and UTSA at home. Nice. What a great idea. 2021 they're they have Baylor at home. They have, they're on the road for UTSA in 2022 UTSA and then Baylor on the road and on and on and on and on and on. They've mixed in a couple other schools that make sense for them. Like they've got a, a far down the far down the road series with the Arizona State. Um, this is smart. This is good. This is what you need to do. Uh, you're gonna lose those games right now. You're gonna get murdered by AM. You're gonna lose to SMU. Um, you might be on the same footing, who knows, by the time you get those UTSA games. But it is going to give you a solid pitch in recruiting to stay at home and play Texas football. So I like everything that they're doing right now.
0: Yeah, you can now. play seven or eight games a year in the state of Texas.
1: It's a very, very smart idea. Um, and honestly, look, if you're a Texas school, you don't really have to do this. You don't, I mean, you could schedule anybody if you're, you know, A&M or Baylor, but I think it makes sense. It's smart. If anything, if I was a and I, I probably wouldn't schedule this school. I shouldn't say that because I'm the guy who always wants these local teams to play each other, but good on them for doing it. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're A&M, why not play Texas State instead of, if you're just going to plug in a Sunbelt team, why not play Texas State? If you're LSU, I tell you what, LSU has to open against Georgia Southern. I will, (laughs) I will bet you a thousand American dollars that if they could swap for Texas State right now, they sure as hell would.
0: Yeah. It looks like, by the way, that
1: A and M game, and they are going to open on a Thursday night.
0: So let's see. They're two hours from A and M. They're two hours from Waco. Yeah. Easy.
1: Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and give them. um, Let's let's give them beloved runt status. With Kent State. <laughs> yeah. Who else is? Who else are we pulling for this year? Kent State. We'll throw Texas State in there. Uh, I guess we have. We
0: did we, we didn't really adopt a conference USA team, did we? Let me see. Well, we were debating it. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, well, I mean, Charlotte would be easy because your boy Will Healy, but they're. Nah, I'm in that's the room right a story. I, 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 I want
1: more. I want more of a lost cause. I think Charlotte. I mean. Well, they're Charlotte,
0: a long. I mean, they're they're probably still a lost cause in 2019. No, right? no, no, no.
1: I'm talking about. Patron saint of lost cause, saint like praying to Saint Jude because things are just absolutely devoid of hope. Yeah, UTEP. That's yeah, we did that. We said UTEP or Rice, and and I think UTEP just because you know they're (laughs) not in in the city of Houston. Like, (laughs) yeah, okay. So, UTEP, Kent State, and Texas State, these are our children. We love them. Um, okay, that's Texas State. (laughs) We're out of here, guys.
0: See Uh, you next week. Um,
1: Sunbelt power rankings. Yep. We didn't really do the top half of the Sunbelt either, so how much do you want to do on this well, show? Well,
0: let's, let's use the power rankings to kind of ease in a little
1: bit. So you're shortchanging the Sunbelt?
0: Yes. Hey, blame full Cast.
1: No, they, blame you.
0: They blame no my, one, they no mean, one held a
1: gun to your head and said They made, made said my dog sick.
0: They made no me one, sick. No
1: one told you to walk down that dirty alley and go to that cockfight. They wrecked no half of body. my
0: wife's face briefly hmm. for the time being. They really are sort of the shingles of audio. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I don't know how else you could put it at this point.
1: Uh, probably not a good sign for our well-being, but our SB Nation is not loading at the moment as we no. record this. So, um, w- I got it. I got it pulled up. So I'll, I'll, I'll. This is
0: disorienting. I'm the host. You're the analyst. I know. I'm really, I'm really flipping things around here on you. Um, All right. No. 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 Hang on. We're almost there. Oh, just, just vamp. All right, so uh, I will no, start at the bottom there. of the power rank, and simply because we've already talked about these teams. Um, tier, four. so you know how in the in conference USA and and um, and Mac previews, yeah, you know, we had a big loaded first tier and kind of evened out from there. Uh, Some else, the opposite. Uh, the bottom tier is crowded. Uh, there are 10 teams, by the way, in the Sun Belt. Four of them I have in tier four. Number 10, South Alabama. Uh, kind of bottom down. All right, year. stop,
1: stop, stop. I pulled oh. it up. God, it's just like, I mean, it's like riding with the other hand. That was horrible.
0: Number 10, <laughs> South Alabama. Number 10, South Alabama. Number bad nine, last Georgia year, State. lost everybody. Probably bad this year.
1: Number nine, Georgia State. Number eight, Coastal Carolina. And number seven, your PAPN-endorsed Texas State <laughs> Cats of Bob. Um, so that's tier four. Um, you said one of these teams could get a bowl?
0: Yeah, like, I mean, just when you think about one of these teams probably finishing about four and four or so in conference, maybe five and three, then, you know, you can start to work out the math. One of them will have a decent shot at six wins. And Who Texas is that State, team? Strangely enough, Texas State has is projected to win like 5.3 or something like that. Like, Everett Withers left as stocked a cupboard as he could possibly leave, considering how bad, how unsuccessful he was. Is that really, Spavital? gets something to work with here.
1: Okay, so you're, you're picking Texas State. All right, Tier 3. It's kind of weird. I don't normally see this from you. Yes. Dummy. Uh, you have one team in Tier 3, and it's yes. Louisiana Monroe. Yes. What the hell?
0: So the teams in Tier 1 and 2, I could see te- theoretically making it, like, surprising just a little bit and winning the, winning the conference title. Mm-hmm. Um, it would... I, I'm not there with ULM. I, I need a, I, it would take a couple of surprises for them to really make a conference title one, but I think they're absolutely better than Texas state, coastal Carolina, Georgia state and South Alabama. So they got a tier to themselves. Hmm.
1: So theoretically bowling.
0: Theore- well, theoretically, I mean, they got screwed but, last year, but, but this is ULM. So their schedule is stupid. Um, yeah, well, you gotta make money somehow. At Florida State, at Iowa State, Memphis at home. <sighs> plus then at plus at App State and at Georgia Southern at at UL. Like they pretty much have to Damn. win all the other games to 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 reach bowl eligibility, even though they should be pretty decent.
1: That's pretty brutal. Um, all right, let's move on to tier two. This is the good good right here. Yep. Um, number five, Louisiana or ULL or Louisiana. Oh, no, not ULL. I don't care. And definitely
0: not ooh-la-la, which I really think they should have leaned into, but they never did.
1: I'll call them whatever I want to. I've been throwing. I mean, look, dude, they're the Golden Knights of UCF. Fight me. I don't care. Uh, Arkansas State, number four. Number three, Georgia Southern. Number two, Troy. Um, uh, High for Troy, um, I think, just because of, uh, much like the Mac, when you do the crescendo moment and the coach moves on, Troy also, we didn't do an individual preview because we're on the top end because you hate this conference, apparently. Yeah. Uh, don't they not return a lot? No, they return a lot. Oh, it was the year... I'm sorry, it was last year that they yeah. didn't return a bunch yeah. because that was the year everyone was like, oh, you should have got out of there. Um, okay, so they do have a decent uh, a, de- a decent system set up. Uh, I can say this about Chip Lindsay; He knows Alabama really well.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah he pretty know. much, I mean... If you were to craft a Troy head coach in a lab, he would have Chip Lindsay's resume.
1: Yeah, I don't expect him to do a lot different. Although he does run different, he does run a different offense. Um, I think they're going to have to evaluate quarterbacks, fill out what they're comfortable with. I don't think you're going to see him running what he likes to do until next year at the earliest, and then I'm not sure. I don't sure what they're going to do on defense. Um, I'm assuming that, yeah. I mean, they have base personnel. Uh, Georgia Southern is Georgia Southern is Georgia Southern. I mean, I don't know what else I can say about them. They're... It's
0: going to completely ignore um, that 2017 ever happened.
1: Well, I mean, honestly, yeah. Would
0: you... No, I mean, I, no, I'm I'm declaring that. We're going to yeah, ignore that just... 2017 happened.
1: If you stay on the blueprint, you're going to win. You're going to grind everybody up. Um, I think the option one thing... Knows,
0: the option knows if you're faking it.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing that... Um, sort of the bellwether for them is they're going to be their defense. Um the one element I'd worry about with Georgia Southern in terms of contending for the conference is they're still obviously going to struggle because of what they run to come back or to go tit for tat. So if they can't force outs early, okay, if they are coming and playing from behind right. even like by a margin greater than seven – you have an exponentially greater chance of winning that game. And so that's always the sort of the Achilles heel. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. That's just the culture of triple. But in this conference where most of the teams still want to put you and spread you out in space, if you are not fundamentally sound and you have a good quarterback who can hit his marks, you can hurt Georgia Southern very early. Otherwise, I mean, they're an industrial-grade wood chipper. so.
0: Look to hell their out. Their biggest problem this year is um they they had Troy and App State both at home last year. That was part that was part of what helped them with their rebound overall. Uh, yep. that, that also means they're going on the road to Troy and App State this year and that's uh problematic.
1: That App State rivalry is fantastic. Yes. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, I want to just say something quick, two things quick. Uh one, Arkansas State is still a really good program be and I don't want to say that because in spite of or or even though but what their headman is going through oh, right God. now, I'm not a sentimental type. I try and divorce a lot of that. I'm not the Tom Rinaldi. But if you don't know about what Blake Anderson's going through, get yourself a Google. Um, you know, his wife is fighting a a brutal, brutal form of cancer, and it's it's been really hard. It's been it's been a, a lot, and it's been going on for a while now, and. Uh, you know, I don't want to say this because sometimes people misconstrue things, but it has colored the way people talk about the program and, and just the fact of what's going on. And I'm not saying they're not coaching those guys. They are. They're doing a great job. And they're. I think really the fact that they're still a contending team and one of the best teams in the program and really consistent is a remarkable statement to an ability to compartmentalize that I don't possess and most people don't possess.
0: Yeah, plus I would just
1: be a bumbling wreck if I was dealing with all this.
0: Yeah. Plus, um, like, not only is he is he trying to coach a football team full time with this going on, he had to hire like seven assistants this year. Uh, he lost a lot of assistants because he's been he Ar- he he has made Arkansas State stable enough, and their offense is typically interesting, and their defenses usually have playmakers. Um, yeah. He, his it, people have, so, have begun to realize he hires good assistants and they have started to take those assistants away. And so it, it, it is somewhat insane
1: oh. that they are able to succeed like they have given everything that's going on. And by the way, Arkansas state, um, it, it, I don't know if it just as a football program, it's not turnkey. Nope. Like they Jonesboro's have- Jonesboro is not attractive. Arkansas is not deep as a state relative to these other states. Um, his ability to do this and and their ability to evaluate guys and get in and work Memphis. And it's just, it really is remarkable. So I wanted to say that. The other thing I just wanted to mention too, is also that ULL or whatever. Um, I think Billy Napier is coaching in the sec within an election cycle.
0: I know we've talked, I think we talked about them two weeks ago. God, who knows who the hell knows what we talked about two weeks ago, but um know yeah, I uh, I th- no I, we did talk about them because I remember talking about class balance and and, mm-hmm. and maybe they don't get over the hump immediately because they lose these guys and then the next year they lose these or whatever. but yeah he, he signed pretty much the best sun belt recruiting class ever um, that usually you know sets I mean they on.
1: yeah, they were signing guys they had no business signing.
0: By the way, Blake Anderson, uh, five years at, uh, at Arkansas State, his S&P Plus rankings in those five years, 70th, 73rd, 72nd, 66th, 72nd. Um, that is, I believe, what you would call very consistent. I know I know, Arkansas State fans. I, I have quite a few that follow me. Uh, they're not impressed with eight wins anymore. You know, Gus Mall's on 110. Hugh Freeze one nine. Uh, so they're, they're not amazingly blown away by Blake Anderson. The stability he has created there is very... Is immaculately impressive all the same.
1: One year without that dude and a hire that isn't completely on the mark. I mean, look, you you, you kept hitting aces when yeah. you're losing those guys like Malzahn and Freeze, which is that, that's very hard to do, but if he goes or retires or whatever happens and you have to go out and find another guy, you'll find out real quick how much you miss him. You really will. <laughs> all right, App State. Um, App State. You have in Tier 1 by themselves a team that is losing its head coach and architect this is a bold move
0: bill Um, this was purely s p plus going come on and me saying okay like these are my that's i I wrote that in the in the in the power rankings piece but basically like i mean these are my own reflections and and not just a you know what did what do the numbers say but Mm -hmm. i can't in the end ignore that app state is projected 31st in s p plus and the next highest team in uh the conference is 69th uh nice and not only is app state of course having to replace their head coach so maybe that means they fall back toward the mean but that that number 69 team is also replacing its head coach so the two most well-established teams on paper are replacing head coaches georgia southern is not arkansas state is not ull La is not um but they're so far ahead of the packs to like on paper that I, I still I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here. We could have a really weird race if App State and Troy fall back to the pack in in their coaches first year. But I figure between the two of them, especially one of them's going to keep things rolling pretty well. And they're still the favorites. I think,
1: uh, Eli Drinkwitz, uh, former Arkansas high school coach was out at Boise. I actually met him when he, when he was at Boise, he was oc for Harson out there and then went to be, is it QBs and O-C at NC State? I think, uh, I think yeah, he was the, I think he was calling plays. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, 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 yeah. He was
1: Uh Arkansas high school guy, n- not from Western Carolina. Um, I was talking to someone about this job in the coaching community and they said, just imagine if just in, in terms of the sunbelt or in terms of really in terms of G five, someone pulls up and hands you a, like a luxury vehicle that they've owned for 10 years and they have taken immaculate care of and they have they have specified it and done everything that you could do and they hand you the keys and all you're thinking about is
0: don't wreck it don't wreck it don't
1: don't put a dent in it you know really wreck it don't put a dent in it and and that's the intimidating thing here is that and really and we'll get to the acc eventually it's really i think one of the enticing things for satterfield at at Louisville is there's really no standard he gets to build from, from nothing, and they understand how bad the roster is. But here, it's a really, really, really hard situation to step into. App is one of the best programs in G5 right now, but man, you got to come in and everything has to work. There's zero room for you to screw up as a first-time head coach, and that's, yep. that's really hard. That's intimidating. A lot of coaches don't like that. Yeah, I
0: cannot tell you how good a job Scott Satterfield did. I mean, it, it, like, I mean, I you, we've talked a lot about the changes I made to S and P Plus. They were very unfriendly to the G fives. Like <laughs> aesthetically, it bothered me. It just it made the numbers so much better that I that I had to that I did it. Um, but he still had a top thirty team at App State last year. As hard as many obstacles as there now are to to a Sun Belt team hitting a top thirty level, they were top thirty last year. They're projected thirty first this year because they return almost every damn player from last year's team. And yeah. oh, man, they're just, he, he, he inherits so much more than any other Sunbelt team does. And we'll just, we'll see sometimes like we, we've talked a lot about Mike Sanford and, and Western Kentucky and all that. It really felt like within that case, he came in and tried to, to put his own stamp uh, too much of his own stamp on the program immediately. And right. you never know how a head first time head coach is going to go. Maybe Drinkwitz does the same thing and they end up, you know, 80th or something this year. But until we see that, they just have so much more than anybody else has, and and it's up to them to to keep it going.
1: Also, I'd like to point out non-conference, extremely well coordinated for what you are and what you want to do. Uh, you open up against Eastern Tennessee State, which is a restarting program. Then, speaking of from nothing, you uh, you host Charlotte in week two. You have a bye week, and then you go to a North Carolina team that's starting over. Really talented roster at North Carolina. Really good, uh, really good uh, coordinators and coaches and stuff there. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll deal with mac we'll talk about that later but <laughs> North Carolina way more talented team sure I think app a more cohesive team definitely have a potential to win that game okay s- well
0: s p has them as a five point favorite with of course with Satterfield's influence all over the place but still
1: exactly right but yeah I mean but s p still thinks Satterfield's yes. there right, right okay right, correct so and then the other one you know and you, you've got to take a body bag just because it's this is the sun Belt. you got to make your money uh they go to South Carolina and it's in November. Right now, they will have just. I will say this: they'll have just play Georgia Southern, which is their big rivalry game on Halloween on Thursday. Ooh, damn! Hell I'm yes. going to that. <laughs> Hell yeah! Wow. Sometimes this podcast captures me in the stream of thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to that uh, you know Georgia Southern. I was about to say, at you're, you're app. trying to
0: get me to go to a MAC game. Why aren't we going to App State, Georgia Southern on Halloween?
1: Holy smokes! Um. I don't know. I would take my kids trick or treating. That's the only guilt I would yeah, have sure. here. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe
0: there's like of a the church. The city, thing. the city of Columbia, will have something on that. Like, no, no. Wait, they do theirs on Halloween, no matter
1: what. Never mind. Yeah if I can, if I can pawn, if I can go to like some other, the, the faux trick or treating, all you parents out there know what I'm talking about. Then maybe I'll do that. If not, I have, I have a lot of guilt because <laughs> we're have, already, yeah,
0: you have twice the guilt as me. Cause I only have. Yeah. Two.
1: Well, and we're already constructing like how he wants to do the Avengers this year. So <laughs> my four year old last year, uh, was captain America and the, the, bi- the very, very large baby was the Hulk. And so now I think he wants to change up the roster. Um, Oh, man, that's going to be a good game. Anyway, they go to South Carolina November 9th. South Carolina, I'm well, not going to sit here, here right. and tell you that App is going to win that game, but South Carolina is a team just filled with fun questions. Let me just say that. <laughs> just filled with them. Filled with fun questions.
0: 34% projected win probability for App State in that game. So it's, okay. a, you're well, saying there's a chance.
1: I mean, I'm, just, I'm saying South Carolina's offense routinely resembles ass, so... <laughs> And they've had a lot of questions over the years, and they don't have Debo. And
0: defense completely fell apart last year with injuries.
1: Yeah, that's what so, I'm saying. So what
0: we're saying is App State's, and they to don't win
1: return win. a lot either on defense. Like there's, they are raw in a lot of places. Is Bentley back? Uh,
0: yes. There you go. I think. I think. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm this saying, this is of course my problem. I won't have fully formed SEC, SEC thoughts until July, but yes, I think
1: it's so. okay to say what you don't know. This podcast is built on it, <laughs> at least this half of it. Um, this I, I'm, I'm not pumping up App as twelve and zero, but I am pumping up App as nine and three. Yeah, it's a really good football team, um, and they do get Georgia Southern at home. They do. Uh, let's see what's in terms of in terms of conference shake here. Um. I would say their toughest road games are going to be at Louisiana Lafayette and at yeah. Troy to yeah. end the to end the year. Now that Troy game could be huge. Could be a huge swing game. Yeah, that, that um, could be
0: a situation where they they go finish they go ten and two, but they lose to Troy. Troy wins the division. Yeah, right. So. Troy, it's Definitely stupid. Didn't. It is so stupid that they're in that division. They should have put Troy – I know that Troy is technically further east than South Alabama, but you flip Troy and South Alabama, suddenly you have two balanced divisions instead of having App, Troy, and Georgia Southern in the freaking east. Yeah. Um, and Arkansas State just going over here saying, okay, well, as long as we don't blow it against UL, we're, we're good. And, then, of course, last year they blew it against Louisiana Lafayette, but still.
1: And, and, look, I don't think ill of Chip Lindsay, but, I mean, I do think Troy – if you're going to wax and wane by coach in sort of a Mac fashion – Troy, I would feel shakier about Troy's new situation than I would apps. Man,
0: I just oh, Then yeah. again. Yeah, I mean me too just because that fingerprint think,
1: push- of an individual is so much stronger with Satterfield at this particular program. And what happened when they changed coaches when Georgia Southern transitioned? They went to they went to Poop, right?
0: Wait. You, you, you mean App did, App did or Georgia Southern did?
1: No, Georgia Southern did. Oh. What I'm saying is when Willie Fritz went to. Tulane. Oh, I thought
0: you meant like when they. I thought you were talking about yeah. when they hired Willie Fritz because Satterfield's the been
1: the architect and been around for so long that they've really not had to deal with a hiccup like this well, since so, they became an FBS team.
0: Well, that was the funny part though is like their hiccup came their last year in FCS. Um, and then they, they bombed like the first half of their first FC, FBS season, but like somewhere in the midpoint of that year, whatever that was, 2014 it was just bang. Like they suddenly they were awesome and they've been awesome ever since. It was so strange.
1: Watch how they recruit. That's going to be a big thing. Uh, knows the States cause he was at NC state, but Satterfield and those guys were so dug in like ticks.
0: They the never west had side of good recruiting t- rankings. They just knew where to look for talent.
1: Exactly. That's talent. what I'm saying, is yeah. that those guys who we, we – the, the coach them up cultures, yeah. when you lose your evaluators, it can get really scary really fast, without a doubt. Um. So – I don't know. Maybe I'm contradicting myself now, and I'm thinking about Chimplin Z. There are plenty the of reasons of to
0: doubt this, but it's just they, they are so far ahead at the moment. No, not not
1: in 2019. Out. I agree with what you've done in terms of the power. Oh, ranking. I got gotcha, you. I'm just gotcha, saying. Gotcha, I'm saying yeah. t- by 2021, you could definitely see a 500 app. Yeah. I mean, right? If
0: you're not if you're not ready to be a head coach, eventually we'll figure that out. But this
1: we'll is be. the G5, man. I mean, the the rug gets pulled out from under you consistently yep. because you cannot build you cannot build talented depth. You can sometimes have talent. You can sometimes sometimes have depth. No one at the group of five level, with a rare exception maybe of being like a Houston, maybe (laughs) do you always have talented depth. That's the point of being in the G5 is that it's just harder. So that's why you run the triple option everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) By the way, by the way, uh, I was talking to somebody about Kansas. And I'm now having coaches encourage us to do our thing. I mean, not directly. They're not saying, hey, you guys should just continue to beat this into the ground on your podcast. But I'm having people who do this for a living and make millions of dollars say, why isn't Kansas running the triple? And I'm like, <laughs> I know! So I'm just throwing that out there. Someone said that to me recently, and I was like, oh, validation. So right now, before we get into any other, we'll get to questions in a second, Bill. I'm just going to throw some things out at you. Maybe we'll turn it into no. a post. Maybe not. Hmm. We'll see. You run –
0: you. Take Jeff Munkin,
1: mm-hmm. or Coach Ken. I'm not gonna say his last name because I know y'all are out there trolling me.
0: <laughs> Seriously, they were. I wrote about. I wrote a Navy preview, and somebody took the opportunity to make fun of how you say his name because I wrote. A By Navy the way,
1: show. most people in the business call him Coach Ken or say Neo. Yeah, Neo Mata Lolo. Um, I can spell it anyway.
0: Oh yeah, no, my finger is just boom. Like I. Yeah,
1: it's like Roethlisberger. Um, anyway, either one of those head coaches. Three years from now, I'm going to throw some schools out at you, and you tell me when to stop, don't think like that, it won't work. Kansas, okay? Three years from now, they're in a bowl. Guaranteed. (laughs) Uh Guaranteed. Sure. And that's the toughest one because of the scholarships. Rutgers, Mm -hmm. they're in a bowl. Six wins? Absolutely. Schedule your non-cons right, grind somebody up, get your ass kicked by the top, guys. Okay, but we've seen the triple give Ohio State problems before. All right. We saw the triple give Oklahoma problems this year. So I'm just throwing this out there. All right. Rutgers lost cause because they're going to fire him this year. They're not, it's just not working. All right. So that's going to, that job's going to come open. We know, I mean, God knows what's going to happen at Kansas, but it's not going to be successful. Right. You know that. Oregon State, who flirted with this. Oh, yeah. Right. Oregon State makes the most sense more than anybody. More than anybody. Um, we did the Arizona thing because it actually happened where they debated it. Let's just we'll, we'll freeze that one for a moment. Uh, Vanderbilt.
0: Vanderbilt is the reason why I if
1: Jeff Munkin goes to Vanderbilt next year. Now, because they're not going to have another great offense, they are. They're not going to have an, uh, an offense. They're, they're going to have another great defense, which isn't super like returny, oh, wait, but like
0: yeah. yeah. I, they're I gonna have
1: a good that. defense. They like he's a he's a damn good defensive coach. Yeah. He's one of the best in the country. He really is. They're gonna play better than they should on defense, and they're gonna they're gonna create nasty ass games, which is what they do.
0: Their last 14 two to years, 10, they were 79th and 57th in defensive S and play plus, and well, they're 24th they're, on offense last year.
1: Totally understand that, but it's also the SEC, so yeah. you're gonna get disproportionate yeah. like, like perspectives gonna be skewed.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm also yeah. telling you that people are like, I don't want to play his defense, sure. even though they're not I, as talented. I'm,
0: I'm okay. Not scared of them at all? Oh, but anyway.
1: I sure as hell would want to play their offense. Um, they were twenty fourth in S P Plus last year in offense.
0: Yeah, they had a good offense last year. Keshawn Vaughn. No, they, they like, didn't. Keshawn Vaughn. Like they actually had an explosive Vanderbilt. Now, he, Did yeah? No, he he came on at the end. So the like, school,
1: the school, like a mile from me.
0: They at the end, look, look at the end of their they they scored forty five points on Arkansas, twenty eight on Missouri, thirty six nope. on Mississippi, thirty eight on uh-uh. Tennessee, thirty eight on Baylor.
1: This is this is pagan voodoo. Nope.
0: Middle of the year, they didn't, but they also weren't playing Keshawn Vaughn. Now, uh, clearly, Derek Mason was not used to having an explosive offensive player because Keshawn Vaughn's sitting over there, like averaging eight yards per carry and only getting like eight carries a game. But then at the end of the year, he he has one hundred seventy-two yards against Arkansas, one hundred eighty-two against Missouri, one hundred twenty-seven against Mississippi, and then like every damn time he touches the ball against Baylor, he goes eighty yards for a touchdown. Uh, they actually have an explosive player at Vanderbilt right now, and it made their offense way better than their defense. They'll, at the end of the year, at the they end the will f it up. Anyway,
1: run the triple at Vanderbilt. Could do it.
0: Yeah. T- what What I was about to say was like um. Vanderbilt is kind of the reason why I, I at least slightly took my foot off the the whole, everybody everybody at, at an underdog school should run the option, just because I try to learn from my mistakes. And when they hired James Franklin, whenever that was, 2011, 2012, when I was writing these previews, I was like, man, Franklin doesn't have an identity. They need an identity. They should ha- they should have hired and Niamatololo. It would have worked. Uh, there's just nothing here. I don't see how James Franklin builds any sort of respectable program. And then boom, like immediately they're respectable. And then the next year they're winning nine games. So like, on my list that like that, that's what established my list was like, number one, hire a good coach. And number two, if you're not sure you can hire a good coach, hire a triple option coach. Who, who okay.
1: Who, All right. Let's say, so let's say you're Tennessee mm-hmm. and you, and just, I'm going to throw Sorry, out. Sorry, I just flashed
0: a, a Tennessee hiring Jeff Munkin. I got really excited no, anyway. no, no, no.
1: God. <laughs> Well, but let's just say you're a program like Tennessee or South Carolina. And let's say that, you know, you always say it's really hard to hire a head coach, right? Okay, so let's say that one out of every eight head coaches is the right head coach at a program like that. If you're Vanderbilt, one out of every 15 coaches is the, is the right coach. Okay, Oop. one out of 20.
0: Whoa, whoa, so what whoa, happened whoa, whoa, with James whoa, whoa, Franklin? Whoa, 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 whoa. Look at like, their history. Like 20, 20, though, that's like 70 years. They, and, and they've only been horrible for like 40. So, you know,
1: 50. Only been horrible and for 40 80, years. I feel like this is that's like on a t-shirt at a bar in Florida somewhere. Only been horrible for 40 years. Look, It's really, really hard to have those two and a half years that James Franklin had, which, and I'm the guy who's written about James Franklin for years, but I am going to tell you that everybody talks about James Franklin and Vanderbilt around the parameters of look at where Florida was, look at where Georgia was, look at what Tennessee was doing during that time, okay? He feasted on conference opponents... Who either did not respect them or did not have their house in order. It's not going to happen again. I'm saying you break it down. Now you can have Derek Mason years and, and win, and they went to the Houston. What's it called? The Texas Bowl this year. Like you can have that. Yeah. that'll happen. Ole Miss is going to be bad for a couple years, so you're gonna get you're gonna get your win there. But if you're Vanderbilt, how the hell do we get into an SEC preview? <laughs> if you're Vanderbilt, instead of here's my deal. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky recruiting really good for Kentucky developing guys really good. Right. I don't think they're going to win 10 this year. I definitely think they're going to not win. They're not going to fall if apart. They win 10 four. this year.
0: That's, uh, that's a good, uh, he's the
1: coach of the friggin' year. Um, but they're not going to fall apart. Right. They're going to consistently get better and because they have consistency in the program. All right. And that's probably your worst instance. The rest of it is South Carolina recruiting better. Haven't put it together yet. Florida becoming, becoming Florida again. Okay. Missouri, still better than Vanderbilt in every measurable way. And then you have Georgia at the top, obviously. And you have Tennessee who's getting better and recruiting better. So if you're Vanderbilt, you're the only program where people can't look – people are going to look at those those recruiting classes year over year over year and say, you know what, D. Mace is a really good coach. And he's a really nice guy, and he's a hell of a defensive mind. But they aren't bringing the bodies in. (laughs) No. Okay? And even Franklin struggled with that. They had highs and lows, and they did a really good job fitting guys to what they wanted to do. But when uh, John Donovan was the play caller there, like it was, I wouldn't say smoke and mirrors, but it was a lot of like trickery and bullshit because yeah, that's what you have not, to do, yeah, you right. know? So run the triple. Are you trying to get Jeff Monkin not a job? Because I'll call him right now and tell him.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, Les Miles is going to retire in like two years. So that might work. The timing of that might work out. Um, all right. So uh, because I'm extremely antisocial, I had to look this up. All right. Arthur Gueppe. Or, yeah, Arthur Gupe, the Vanderbilt coach in the 50s, had a good year, decent hire. So starting with Jack Green, bad hire. Bill Pace, bad hire. Steve Sloan was a good hire, but in his second year, he won seven games and jetted as fast as possible to Texas Tech. So that was a good hire, though. That still counts. As That's you do. That's one out of three. Fred Pancos, bad hire, one out of four. George McIntyre had one randomly good year, but otherwise bad, one for five. Watson Brown, bad, one for six. Jerry DiNardo... In retrospect, getting four or five wins every year. Oh, God,
1: crazy. I swear to God, if you call Jerry Denardo a good coach, they're going to come out of the bayou and cook your better ass. That he
0: was better than Watson Brown there, but we'll still say one 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 for seven. Ron Dauhauer, horrible, one for eight. Woody Woodenhofer, the horrible, one the for Woodhoffer! eight. Bobby Johnson had the one amazingly strange year where they were suddenly top 15 in the country and then died but won their bowl game and then went There's to a ten. Changed. So that's oh, – crap, what are we at now? Was that one for ten or two? One? Robbie Caldwell, Robbie Caldwell. <laughs> If he counts, yeah. So they were like one for eleven before Franklin. And if you if we what did I Mason, say I said one for fifteen, and you got all bristled. No, then you said like twenty. You said like twenty. And that was just completely un. And if you now, run the
1: simulation again for five more coaches, they're not going to have James Franklin and five more. But coaches. But then if they're we count not.
0: if we count Mason as a success too, that they're now three for thirteen. So a solid just run like, the triple that'll get C- higher
1: your, higher yeah. right now. Bring Jasper in get a deep and now I will say this you got to that's why Jay Bateman's at North Carolina now is if you find the right you find the right DC and hell the reason why Bateman was successful at Army was because he was turning nothing in terms of talent into something and they were way more multiple than they were supposed to be and they were way better and way smarter on the field than they had any business being and that's they confuse the shit out of you because they didn't have the raw talent, they didn't have the size or the length or any of that stuff in the secondary. But to now put one of those good DCs at Navy or Army, which they occasionally get right, put them in the SEC, and they can recruit more. They can recruit speed. They can recruit size. And then you run the triple, and you and you cut possessions down to eight a game. I'm going to the national championship with Vanderbilt. Just get on the bus. Nothing. Are you done? Yes. You want to do questions? Let's do questions. It's been a while. And also we did not solicit technically. We just. No, because we, we have too many. We Got a backlog. Um, um, do you have one that you wanted to start with specifically? Well, here's,
0: here's one that's specific to what stuff we've already talked about today. Uh, our friend Walker Williams and at Walker Williams. So. Okay. Um, okay. If Spavital is successful enough to get plucked from Texas state. Would or should Bob Stitt take take the reins as head coach? Was Montana a bad fit for him, or does his style not translate to success in D one? Well, first of all, we'll find out about like we'll we'll find out a lot if you know if he builds a successful offense out of what was mostly hot garbage at Texas State. Mm -hmm. it was young, it was young hot garbage. So you know it can develop. Um, but if they end up with a really nice offense, that's a big endorsement for him. Cause I mean, Lord knows he's got a lot of head coaching experience. We just need to know that his offense works, that he can make a decent defensive hire at this level. Uh, Montana. I think the problem for him was he was learning a new level at Montana. He was, he was going up from D from, from D two underdog to FCS heavyweight, or at least like, you know, cruiserweight at this point. And Montana fans don't, Want to be a cruiserweight? They don't want to give you time to grow. They want to win uh, because that's a very hardcore fan base there. They have a lot of wins in their history, and so he was learning on the job. Uh, made some mistakes early on. I just, like he was fine. They were going like seven and five, eight and four, but that's just not good enough for Montana. So I, I, I he wasn't going two and nine um so he, he I think he's got still got a decent enough resume and 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 maybe if if spavaal if Sp- spavatal not only succeeds but succeeds because suddenly their offense was amazing that says pretty good things about Stit and maybe you mm-hmm. maybe you go to that all
1: right my our longtime listener longtime good question asker Brett Mori, at Brett Morey one there's two T's in Brett I'm back on it I tricked you. Oh, we geez. talk a lot about how the service academies have to use the triple option to offset size limitations they have to abide by. But what kind of concessions or adjustments do they need to make on the defensive side to account for the limitations there? Um, it's not about concessions. Defensive coordinators friggin' love triple option because the offense stays on the field for a really long <laughs> damn time. It's that—that's the—that's the initial appeal. Is I, that you are cutting the opposing team down? If you are running an option well, you're cutting the the opposing team down to what? Eight? Usually eight, right? Eight to 10, to ten eight, possessions. Eight yeah. to 10 possessions in a game. If you are playing that Texas Tech, Oklahoma State bullshit, it is 25, 30 possessions a game. 700. Okay. So obviously, you got to plan more. You got to adjust more. You guys are going to get gassed. Um, I will say this there's one downside. You tend to come out a little tight. Early on, this is just what I've been told, because you are afraid of giving up points early. And I do think, I have been told that they fear uh, big chunk plays, deep balls, anything that's going to create a, a sudden swing where, you, where, again, where you're in a deficit, right? right. So they're going to play a little deeper against the pass just because if you can keep it in front of you and keep them to three or just have them on the field for a long yeah, game a time, that you get a punt. Like, that's fine. Yeah. That's a huge win for you. So, really, as long as again, as long as your offense in a triple does not have to overcome anything more than seven to nine points, you're in the game. And you're and you're gonna grind it and grind it and grind it. So the defenses love it. If you could, if you match a defense that can create turnovers, I really just pissed Bill off. <laughs> if you can create turnovers on defense with a triple, you go, baby. Uh, I will yeah. say this Brett, huge K State fan, K State secretly doing this. I'm just going to say this now. They're secretly doing this. Yeah, they don't and run the triple, but
0: they're going they to hold on the ball as but long they as are. possible, yeah.
1: Because uh, if they are going to... It, it, I think there's an intense debate going on. Not I think, I know. There's an intense debate going on as to, like, what the hell is K-State going to actually look like? Because Snyder's not going anywhere, by the way. He's retired, <laughs> but he ain't dead. So is this Barry Alvarez redux? I, I, I think so. I think a little bit. And one of the things that you get with K-State are, like, super... Basic, simple guarantees, right? They like want to compensate on defense and kind of like beat your ass and play press and be real aggressive um, because they're compensating for talent. And then on offense, they want to run the ball and be real mean on the offensive line and beat your ass because they're compensating for talent. Who does that sound like, by the way? So they hire a guy from North Dakota State. If you haven't watched North Dakota State, it is a kiss and cousin to the triple. It's not quite the triple.
0: Yeah, I mean their passing concepts are way more complicated, but they want to play physical and run the ball as much as you'll let them.
1: Inherently, they are going to put their quarterback out there. He's going to be a run threat on every single play. And he's going and also from the quarterback position and from a multiple backfield, they don't I don't know how often they go two back, but they create multiple run options per play, and they want to gain yards and convert on third and short using their quarterback's feet. I'm telling you right now, it's as close to the triple as you can get without calling it that, and that's what K State is sort of gonna do, and kind of why people are screaming at Kansas, like just run the triple, be the, be that team, yep. <laughs> be the anti everything, and be the pain in the ass where you catch like an Oklahoma State between two big games, or you know, you don't. It, it, it's awful to prepare for. They, every team hates it. That's why I was saying earlier, LSU doesn't want to play Georgia Southern in week one. Trust me. <laughs> By the way, they're going to score a bunch of points on, on Georgia Southern in that game.
0: Because yeah. I
1: do think that LSU's offense is going to be good this year. Yeah,
0: it picked up last year too. Yeah. And
1: then, yeah, it did. And then their subs are – I guarantee you, you will not see a starter after halftime on defense. Yeah. <laughs> and the front seven they'll, yeah. they'll run their dvs out there and stuff because they don't want anybody's knees exploding <laughs> all right i'm guarantee you mark my words there will not be a starting defensive lineman on that field if lsu is up by more than 17 after the half they're gonna run all of those dudes out there and let the scrubs get their ass kicked
0: it's my fast. one contribution to the service academy conversation at this point is that uh or not service the triple conversation i guess um the other limitation you've got. And I, I've come to believe at first I'm like, whatever. No, that's not a real thing. But I've talked to enough coaches now. Like I accept that it's a thing. Um when in recruiting with the triple op when you're when you are a triple option team, um, obviously you're gonna have very specific preferences for a quarterback and you'll probably be able to get him. Uh, yeah. you're going to have your choice of fullbacks throughout the country, obviously, and, and speedy sp- uh, skill guys, like running back types that like th- that's fine. Basically every other position, you're going to be at a disadvantage, not only because of what the high school pro- what the high school prospect himself has, like whatever preconceptions he has about the option, but every other coach is going to be telling a receiver, you know, a lineman who's like, yeah, you yeah, know, that's not going to prepare you for the pros. It's, they're going to be telling every single defensive player on your on your on your recruiting list, um, look, you're going to be practicing against the triple in, in in practice. That's not going to get you ready for the pros. You're not going to be able to develop fully uh, in that system. And and you know, that's partially true and partially. Ah, uh, that
1: one, yeah, and that that one's the one I'd argue back against. You but you're just saying flat out, if you're playing the triple and the power five and you're on defense, you're still going to see everything that you're going to see in the pros. You're going to get the same experience.
0: But as a recruiting tool, when you're, when, when. Uh, you're recruiting these guys and then 38 other schools are saying, nah, I don't, I don't, you, you don't want to do that. Like it's for, for some guys it's going to wear on them and they're going to eventually say, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. So it is a limitation. And, and so you can't like, I mean, my goal was always like, have, have me uh, bring in key, Kenny, have him hire just the most dynamic and exciting defensive staff. Imaginable. They'll get five star recruits on defense. They'll run the triple on offense. It'll be amazing. Yeah. That's not going to happen but you can still – so maybe that means you gotta you got lean into having a system a little bit more having a specific identity whether it is you know when Navy was at its best it was kind of a bendo break on offense just basically try to hold them to field goals and when they get impatient because they' they haven't been on the field in 15 minutes and they want to go out and score some points pounce on like take advantage of their impatience uh, counter punch and all that um, the, the alternative is to almost take it like in a like when when Baylor was at its best, um, they had just a really knowing that they were going to know, knowing that a quick possession for the opponent is 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 almost terrible even if they score because that puts your offense right back out onto the field. Um, to, you know, to take risks and try to uh, pounce on mistakes and quit and create like, pick, uh, you know, quick change kind of pick six situations. And don't worry if you get burned once at least, because that just means there are the, the other teams, defense is going to be demoralized and tired sooner. Uh, so, I, but maybe that's it. Maybe you can't just recruit an amazingly talented defense. You got to lean into an identity one way or the other. And, and maybe that's enough. You can win a lot of games doing that. Um.
1: I went through on the Reddit and searched the more recent Ask Um I could do two really quick um, from Y0CC0. It's always harder to pronounce the Reddit names. Will Greg Schiano ever be a college head coach again? No. Uh, same question asker. Who are the most likely coaches to leave college football to become an NFL head coach within the next two to three seasons? So this list always starts when like USA Today does it with Brian Kelly. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm starting to think that that's not true could be totally wrong. This could be the year finally where you know, I he just breaks down and does it or someone finally thinks that he's as good as everyone in the media seems to say he is for the pros specifically. He's I really thought he would go.
0: Way. he, said he better that? do it if he's done to do it.
1: This would be the year, yeah. And I did really think that it was going to be the Packers. So I don't know. Um, maybe not. I mean, I really think that in that situation, it's going to come down to open jobs and I cannot tell you the way I can off the top of my head. Like I did earlier in the show where I was like, boom, Rutgers is going to change their coach this year. I can't tell you that with the NFL. It's a lot harder to predict. And also I just don't have that information in in the frontal lobe.
0: When Pat Fitzgerald's name got wafted around for the Packers, like it started to, it planted a seed in my head. I'm like, you know what? His game management ability, he really might, he really might be able to do something in the pros. I don't know. I don't know if he will. But I like don't. It, it I definitely don't think he
1: will. If we're just talking about in the at like just hypothetically, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You'd have to sell me more on that. I think with with uh, with Kelly, it's definitely going to come down to the situation. I don't think he would just go like, "Oh, the Cardinals need another head coach." Like I think it would. It would have to be a fit thing for him. I do think it would. He would want a major market job. Did they just fire? Do the Giants have the same head coach?
0: Yes, they, he was a I think he was first year was last year uh, okay, along right. with the first year GM who was just you know just
1: Right. So that guy's a total dumbass. Yeah. Right. Horrible. Okay, so maybe if like they clean house there, maybe
0: I'm Maybe just, what, I mean, I, that's Gerald or uh, a
1: college guy. No, 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 no. BK. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, sorry. Okay, other names on that list, uh, people always talk about James Franklin. I also don't think that's going to happen. I think James Franklin is likelier to end up at a place like USC. Um, I do think that we might get one more guy in a weird Cliff Kingsbury type of situation that kind of jumps the rails on that high offense deal. And so that, if you are just looking at the pool, would be Lincoln Riley going to the Cowboys. I don't think that's going to happen either. The Cowboys part, I think that he could end up in an NFL job one day really hard to do that job at Oklahoma and make it your own.
0: I don't know. It kind of feels like he has, though. I think he's somehow managed to They are
1: really damn fun right now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, because he was the OC, because he was the reason they were succeeding at the end of the Stoops era, too, you almost kind of give him credit for that part and and suddenly – um, instead of like a two-year track record, he's got like a four-year track record. And yeah, I think he kind of has made that his job and, and made the, that job his identity. Um, the thing that's
1: going to be really exciting is like, not that Kyler wasn't exciting. That, that was really fun to watch. It totally was. But maybe exciting is not the right word. Impressive. It's going to be really, really impressive if they come out and it's, it's obvious within the first month that they've they took the bulk of their book and they reworked it just the right way for Jalen. Like they have that that architect's eye, right? To the take a talent who's leadership guy, locker room experience, gamer, da da da, 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 da but also like strong, you know, strong. Good, arm. good
0: good runner, and solid <laughs> right. passer, if not amazing. Right, answer. right. Yeah.
1: So like, and then go. Okay, we're gonna like just tweak, tweak, yep. turn the knob like the way you would in a recording studio, and then boom, it's the same Oklahoma, fifty-one points. <laughs> But oh man, you can see how the instrumentation is different and the composition is different. And I really think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. Do they open against a banger? Mm.
0: OU is <laughs> kind of allergic to those games, aren't they? Well, that, no, they used to. At FAU
1: last year. Houston. Houston, yeah. And at okay.
0: UCLA, that, that's right. That's their current. Yeah, home that's
1: a ba- place, uh, yeah. So. I take it back. Bangers, good job. Yeah, um, about at least, yeah, yeah. And they're at UCLA. Um, um,
0: no, I. The one thing I will say about about Lincoln and the Cowboys is, if this was, we we heard that rumor enough that I'm kind of guessing it was real about Jerry Jones liking Lincoln Riley a lot, and and I mean the whole OU, t- you know, the Oklahoma Dallas thing. I mean. Um, if that is real and Jared Jones does have his eye on him, Jason Garrett yeah. isn't going to last forever. Now, <laughs> Jason Garrett. Well, I
1: think he's out of there pretty soon.
0: But I mean, what's funny is we've been assuming that for a while and they've gone 13 and 3, 9 and 7, and 10 and 6 the last three years. And, um, you know, they've got. We'll see what happens with the defense um, this year. They're, they're kind of shuffling personnel a little bit, but they really. He, he's got to have a bad season before he can get fired. And there might be a couple more years, but a couple more years from now, I don't see Lincoln Riley's stock being any lower. Um, and I mean, he, you know, from Texas, if Jerry Jones is obsessed with you and willing to pay you a stupid amount of money, and he really might be, I could still yeah. see that happening in a couple of years.
1: years. Um, one thing I'm curious about that I don't necessarily think is going to happen because it really hasn't happened since Saban is when the NFL looks down and respects a defensive-minded head coach enough to hire them. When's that going to happen? Because <laughs> I don't think it will. It's hard enough for defensive guys to get to get Power Five jobs. Yeah, hey, Jeff Collins got Georgia Tech because of his his ties, his recruiting prowess, and his program yeah. management. It was not about, and also you're coming off of the triple, so it's not a it it's about as unique a circumstance as you could get to get a P5 job as a DC. They just don't happen a lot. Pat Narduzzi got one. I'm not You'd thinking figure about It the will be kind of interesting because
0: if the quote-unquote college offense, whatever that really actually means, catches on more at the pro level, then they really might start to look for like, oh, who's stopping this at the college level? What are they doing? What, what can exactly. we do to bring them in here? And like
1: Gary Patterson would be an interesting hire. Yeah. I think he would work on a pro level. And I think also when you're a guy like Patterson in a situation like TCU where you're going to recruit and spend a lot of time recruiting but never recruit like Texas or OU mm-hmm. and some years even Okie State, maybe you just get sick of that shit and you want to go and find, hey, find me a good GM who's going to give me the best available talent and as a defense of let me see what I can do. Because 425 is all over the frigging NFL right yeah. now. They look at Patterson's stuff. Um, that would be an interesting one. Pete Kwiatkowski he's, he's, at
0: Washington. I, I don't even know if he wants to be a college head coach, much less an NFL head coach. But I could see him becoming an NFL coordinator at least. If you wanted to look
1: at something in the on a, on a collegiate level of as the McVeigh wave rises and falls, and I don't know where we are on that track yet, <laughs> you would think a four-two-five guy would do yeah. would be attractive. Now, as a head coach, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, again, I would just like to point out this is a statement of fact. A mid-level Big 12 team fired a head coach who then became the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals in two months. That
0: <laughs> Love happened. It. Love it so much.
1: Okay, so I so sitting here and identifying trends, I, I can identify a trend and tell you what I think might be trending, but I sure as hell can't tell you what will happen because there's a there's there's just a like a big dumb swerve in in, in pro hiring circles. I mean, there's a lot of guys at the collegiate level that I think would be great if you translated them over. But I also think there's like a purgatory situation. You know, they're just not ever <laughs> going to get that look because of sins past, which is ridiculous.
0: But. Well, when when my boy Manny Diaz goes twelve and two this year at Miami,
1: <clears throat> I don't think Manny wants to go pro. I could be totally wrong.
0: Well, I mean, Dolphins just like move. He wouldn't even have to move. Well, here's my thing.
1: So here here's my rebuttal. And I know people are going to get mad and make fun of us for talking about the league this much. I think a lot of top-tier college coaches, in the wake of Spurrier and Saban specifically, because of the influx of money into mm. the college sport, because of the contracts, the television money, why? Do, I think a I lot of people go. are just kind of folding their hands and they're like, well, I'm good here. Yeah. I can make $5 million a year here. <laughs> now, a lot of guys also, in the same breath, the head coach of my Atlanta Falcons, Dan Quinn, was a defensive assistant yep. in and in a, yep. a DC at Florida. I, he very much wanted to go to a different level and coach defense and not be consumed with the recruiting aspect of which I totally get.
0: Yeah. That's what I, I was about to say. Like if you hate recruiting, like he and
1: Jeff Collins are on the same tree.
0: <laughs> True. No, if you hate recruiting then suddenly the pros look a lot better. I think, I think Manny Diaz likes recruiting. Uh, and so maybe that doesn't happen, but yeah, if you, if you, if you just like coaching, Um, and, and, and you don't really want to deal with that other stuff. If you're just like coaching and scheming and all that stuff, then, you know, the pros would be pretty attractive.
1: Whatever you're going to get back from not having to recruit and obsess over that aspect, you're going to have to give up as a head coach in the diplomacy it takes on a week to week level to run a, to run a roster because these are professionals and you have to treat them as such. That's what we learned with Saban. That's what we learned with Petrino petrino way more than saban but saban was no saban was not a a a gentleman to his players and so you may hate doing the living room shtick and the circuit and the grinding and all i get it totally get it and i'll and and hey we talk about it all the time bill 80 percent of those jobs in college you're not going to get the best talent no matter what the hell you do okay so the the league at some point kind of guarantees you that sources um you then have to turn around and not be a raging dick, which like Jimbo and Saban hey. and Kirby can oh, be God. raging. D- Look, in, I mean, NFL they, they, head
0: coach Jimbo Fisher is just mortified.
1: You'd I mean, be five minutes. You'd be five minutes. I mean, that's the situation right now. They even have a name for it. It's it, it's it's decruit season right now. Depending on if you got your early enrollees in, and then if you get your summer reports in, it's the first three weeks of July. It's decruiting season. <laughs> So all that bullshit you fed them for two years, the graphics, the on-campus visits, the yep. hologram, your dad gets to put on a uniform, all that shit goes out the window. <laughs> and they break you down, and they and they put you into the gulag. And so you get to do that in college. You get to be a little dictator in your yep. fiefdom. 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 Uh, fiefdom. I like fiefdom, though. Uh, you don't get to do that in the pros. They will tell you to F off. Um, and, and they will do so with gusto and aplomb. And, and one of the major things that you see in the NFL is lost locker rooms after like week
0: 10. Right.
1: Because guys are, there is no, like you, you want to go out, man, this is it. You last time you put on the pads, fifth year, senior, fourth year, senior, whatever Nope. And guys aren't thinking about that. They're like, I got to ride my contract out and we're three and nine and I don't want to get hurt. Cause I want to go make money. Right. <laughs> <to it."> right. <laughs> So that level of communication is, a, is like a different skill set, and that's why you have to look at the college coaches different. David Shaw is the one that always gets mentioned too. Yeah. I don't think David Shaw's ever – my ass would never leave Stanford.
0: No, I, I've always said that the, the pros are the only thing he would – Leave Stanford for, and I, I always say that because that's what he t- said to me when I was interviewing for him for Study Hall way back when. Uh, yeah. He basically, I I, I can't remember what the exact question I asked him, but it was something to that effect, and he was just basically like, "Yeah, I'm not going anywhere except maybe the NFL."
1: Uh, I'll give you a name that has not been mentioned, and this is just because I've evaluated him in my completely non-professional, non-coaching way, but I think a lot of this has to do with less X and O and more culture management, administrative, executive, CEO. What? Come on. Sources. That one was my wife. Mario Cristobal. Okay. I definitely think he could work at the NFL.
0: Yeah.
1: It, absolutely. I think, he's, um, I think he's seasoned enough, and I think he's seen enough football. I think – Did he play – Second. I mean he was an offensive lineman at Miami and they used to I mean yeah, they used no, that, to hand you three probably di-
0: got him a shot.
1: That's what I'm saying. They used to hand you three year contracts back back in the day when you were at the U. Um God, I missed that. Signed a free uh, agent
0: contract with the Denver Broncos in ninety four as an undrafted free agent, played for the Amsterdam Admirals of NFL Europe in ninety six and then moved into coaching.
1: World league, baby. I wonder why. I wonder why he wasn't he's a big dude. He didn't have a lot of height though. Easy for you to as say. Age. Well, I mean, it just it depends on how much you shrink as you age. Mario is only forty-eight, and I met him
0: three or four years ago. <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's shrinking that quick.
1: I don't think he shrank a foot or anything. Yeah, I think he probably just wasn't tall enough for the league.
0: <laughs> I'm excited anyway. though, because my uh, like, I mean, you all you tall people. I'm always reminded yes. how tall my friends are. I'm about to catch my dad because he's coming back down, so I've got that going for me.
1: Uh, nothing stranger than when. when we casually mentioned something about appearance and then people, our listeners, our hardcores are like, you're tall. I didn't picture you like that. There's no way to <laughs> tell what me that. Does really it doesn't like. make me feel like you're going to eat my face? Yeah. Every so. time,
0: like it's random, but like anytime a real picture of me shows up, yeah, there's always like, Oh, that's what you look like. I was just, just yeah. Yeah. Garish. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. I love that.
1: Always, always warms the cockles to hear that. All right. Um, this is like, uh, When you swing the bat with the donut thing on it so you can actually get back to swing speed. That's right. Uh, I don't know, man. Baseball season just started. (laughs) I'm trying. I watched uh, four innings of a Braves game last night, uh, so I'm good for a week. Um, I think we won. I watched four innings of a game, comma, I think we won. There's my level of engagement. Um, Quick shout-out, hockey playoffs about to start. Anybody wants to throw a hockey question in here, I will force it past Bill and slide Uh, it into the show. I'm going to a Preds game with my son tonight. There's a three-way tie for the division with two games left. Very, very excited. Uh, and also, we got really, really good seats as a present from my in-laws for my birthday. Still don't know if the Braves won as I vamp. And uh, so we get to sit close to the ice and, like, I'm probably going to swear in front of my child again. I mean, it's not like that's the first Well,
0: time. If, you, if you don't, the person behind you will. I mean. Hell
1: yeah. Um, I'm very excited for the hockey playoffs. Um I have started uh, visits. I was at an SEC campus this week. Uh, We are writing some stuffs in the future. Um, I'm on a visit next, end of next week as well. It won't affect recording. Uh, I'm just doing a couple. I've been doing like four and then maybe one or two stragglers after after spring ball just to talk to coaches. Um, We won six to four. Four runs in the eighth. Oh, if baseball are- wasn't five hours, that would have been great to watch.
0: Um, anyway, well, the pirates are one and three. I see. Extra piracy. I felt bad because, like, I, I, we, you know, we had our meetings, and Alex Kirshner from Pittsburgh. I've told him before was, that I'm a Pirates fan, and I wrote. Yeah, a, he really so, holds
1: you to that, doesn't he? Uh,
0: he does. And then, like this year, he's like, "What do you think about you know?" Because he's sarcastic. He's down about the Bucks and everything else. And I was, I realized, like, oh my god, I don't think I've spent. 3 seconds thinking about the pirates this year like it's just gone. And so I was I tried to fake it for a minute and I was like I I got I got nothing. I
1: I I just want a wild card contending team that I can fold laundry to and you know do other item household chore things or listen to them on the radio while I'm like doing something art. That's, that's I don't I don't want I I don't even know what war means. I know it's wins above replacement, but I don't well, really you know I couldn't I mean? explain it to you. But I don't really understand what that means. It still doesn't make sense to me at all. So I don't care. I just like baseball. I grew up watching 115 games a year uh, because of TBS. I'll always love my team, whatever. I just, sometimes it's okay to be a casual. And I know you're not supposed to say that on this podcast where we just drill down to the, the damn well, you atom.
0: You can't drill down to the atom in every sport.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's the same with the hockey right now where I'm like, people are getting into technical matchups for the playoffs and potential and defensive shifts. And I'm just like, ah, dude, I haven't watched a Preds game in two weeks. <laughs> I know it's the playoff stretch, but like I got a lot of shit going on. So it's okay want, to be a casual.
0: Do you want me to share all my Jeff Blouser thoughts with you after we stop recording or?
1: That man is a saint. If you say anything different, I will murder you. The first time I ever took a sip of beer was the day he hit three home runs in the same game. Was it a coincidence? Probably not. Hmm. That's it. I'm done. Okay.